0: productivity is ultimately about making space for what matters and if you think about where all the best ideas you've ever had come from they probably didn't come when you were sat at your desk doing emails because a big part of my work is about creating writing um you know books courses all this sort of stuff um a couple of times a year i write in my um in my Nosby, my to-do list manager um your job is to go for a walk in the woods and, you know, seeing it in that way that, like, actually, what's going to help me generate ideas and solve problems and recognize the thing that's stuck in my business. That's going to unhook and uh, reveal itself, like when I go for a walk in the woods and when I'm consciously uh, not putting my attention onto emails and social media and like all that frenetic stuff. That's that's one of those things that I'm always working on is, um, you know, trying to use that space in the way that... Um, leads to the the bigger inspirations.
1: Welcome to the Happy Entrepreneur podcast. This is a podcast for people who look at business differently. It's for founders, freelancers, change makers and freedom seekers who want to make money, do good and be happy. We choose the path of the happy entrepreneur not to get rich to express ourselves and serve others in the most authentic way we can. Many of us couldn't find our role by working for others, and so we chose to work for ourselves. We took the more uncertain path, not because we wanted to, but because we needed to. We value learning, play and friendship, and we have a need to make a meaningful impact in the world. By following the path of the happy entrepreneur, we learn as much about ourselves as we do about business. On this podcast, I have conversations with other happy entrepreneurs from different walks of life, industries and countries. We talk about the journey and about what we've learned about ourselves along the way. For us, entrepreneurship isn't just a way to make money, but a journey of self-discovery and growth. If you're on the same path and are looking for inspiration and connection, then this podcast is for you. If you've written down seven top priorities, you've probably got no priorities, which means you're going to find it really hard to be productive. That's what Graham Alcott says, founder of Think Productive and author of Productivity Ninja. To him, productivity is ultimately about making space for what matters. This means creating clear intentions and focusing your attention on what you need to do. During this episode, Graham shares the different things that can affect our productivity and what we can do about it. This conversation is also within the context of a global pandemic and only just starting to come out of a lockdown in the UK. Whilst we may have had all the best intentions of using our lockdown time more productively, Graham also reminds us that we're only human. The challenging emotions caused by the uncertainty we're facing means we can't be as productive as we'd like. And that's okay. There are some wonderful nuggets of wisdom in this episode, as well as pointers to some really useful materials to help you with productivity, such as Graham's weekly checklist and the Think Productive's working from home pack of resources. Check the show notes for the links. And I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever and whenever you are. Uh, whether you are watching this live today on Crowdcast, thank you very much, and welcome uh, today. Uh, or if you're listening to this on the podcast, I hope you're. Um, I hope you're in a different place to where we are now. <laughs> in this uh, in this chaos that we're finding ourselves in today, we are joined by our good friend uh, Graham Alcott. Um Hi, Graham. Hi. How are you? I'm
0: good,
1: thank you. Awesome. And of course, as always, uh, my sidekick, I want to call you today, Lawrence.
2: (laughs) Your business other half. Thank you. (laughs) Uh,
1: As with all of these calls, it would be nice to have a a bit of a check-in to start off with and then just say how you're feeling and and how your day has been so far. Um, Graham, how about you?
0: Well, uh, this morning I pressed send on um, a book I've been working on so <laughs> another one uh, well it's kind of yeah yes another one but also it's one that's been hanging around for a while so um, I've been writing this book with one of my colleagues um, Hayley Watts it's called how to fix meetings um, and of course when the pandemic hit my publishers came back after the second draft saying hey can we put loads of stuff in about zoom and <laughs> which isn't really the, the point of the book is all about how meetings are one of the last spaces wow. for people to share attention. And um, I, I fundamentally believe that that is better done face-to-face. So I kind of fought them a bit on that. But anyway, um, after spending far too long on a book, it's um, it's back with my editor and um, feeling free and relieved and <laughs> happy about it. So, yeah, I'm a bit tired too, but that's where I am.
1: Oh, I love the idea of feeling free and relieved. <laughs> <laughs>
2: How about you, Lawrence? Um, I'm good. A bit, a bit muggy. <laughs> it's a bit muggy in Brighton today. Actually, we talked about the sea misters just rolled in off the sea um, after a scorching day or night last night. Um, but yeah, I had a busy morning. I gave a talk to a Indian startup tech startup conference this morning, which was interesting. In between an oil baron and a VC, so uh, <laughs> definitely counter uh, counter culture, let's say. Talking about making happiness your business model, but no, it's was good.
0: I bet you had the best
2: slides. Oh, <laughs> they were really sexy <laughs> by far. Like out of those three, right?
1: <laughs> it does remind me of where when we were in um in India, in Chennai. Oh, God, that, that conference. Whole... Yeah. What was the name of the conference?
2: It was uh, CII, who were like the main—I don't know, like Chambers of Commerce of India, but like huge, big—you know, everything from big business to small business network. And it was their annual conference in Chennai. A friend of ours invited us along. And I think that's just fair to say, like, put us in it by giving us an hour to fill with, like, 500 suited businessmen at sort of uh, wedding tables. (laughs) And we were the least smart people there by a mile.
1: We did have uh, Jack Hubbard uh, do a rap.
2: Yeah, that was was pretty cringy.
1: (laughs) Imagine that. 500 people in suits waiting for someone to give them nuggets of wisdom on how to do startup, <laughs> and what you get is a wrap. <laughs> but that's the way we roll. Um, yeah, I, similar to, to you, Lawrence, I am feeling very muggy. The, the heat is – I'm really not enjoying this heat when it comes to sleeping, and especially when you have a like one of those tempura-type uh, mattresses, just soaks up the heat. Like I, just, I just wanted to have some kind of ice bath going on instead of that. but. So uh, feeling a little bit tired um it would be lovely to hear how everyone else is feeling, so um please type into the chat whether you're feeling energized excited tired muggy um and also it would be if you want to if you feel like uh, if you're happy to that it is a good place to connect with other people who who for us everything that we do is about creating shared spaces ultimately creating safe spaces to, to connect with like-minded people. So if you'd like to share maybe your Twitter profile, LinkedIn profile, um, Instagram, but so people can get a feel for who else is watching, um, feel free to do that as well. Um, so yeah, today we're talking about uh, productivity during a pandemic. Um, and ironically, I think I've been feeling the least productive over the past three months than I ever have been. Um, so uh, so yeah, how has your experience been, Graham, over the past three months? You you've just written a book. So on one hand, I'll, I hate you <laughs> for being so productive, but has ha, how have your productivity levels been like?
0: I think, I mean, here's, I think maybe oh. the good news is that even, even, the productivity ninja has struggled um, during the pandemic. So like, I write books about this stuff, right? Um, And actually, um, I think it's been really up and down. And I think um, what I've noticed a lot is people, you know, people sort of who follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn and places uh, talking quite a lot about the guilt that they feel about not being productive at certain points or feeling fearful about whether they're working on the right things. Um, and I think so much about productivity always comes down to fear and guilt. Um, they're very uh, pervasive, um, you know, lizard brain emotions um, that we that we feel quite a lot. So, you know, for me, it's, it's definitely been very up and down, um, like it has for lots of people. Um, I was just thinking about this before. It's no coincidence that I've really felt the last two weeks have been my most productive for a good while and they've coincided with I think just a general sense rightly or wrongly politically leave that to one side in the country that kind of we're easing out of lockdown that sense seems to be there Um, and also it's coincided with the two weeks where my little boy is at school basically full time right so you know I I just think that's no coincidence is it and um, I think when uh, I mean, it's very easy to see the time suck and the time pressures around homeschooling or home facilitating some learning or home ignoring homeschooling, depending on what you're doing. Um, but I think what's maybe less obvious to see is the, you know, just the mental load and stress that is caused by a period of huge uncertainty. And I think, you know, we've had to adapt and change a lot um, just in everyday habits and behaviors. And again, I think it can be very easy to overlook the the stressful effect that that has on the mind. Um, And therefore, it's really understandable that there's just less of our attention, less of our emotion, less of our energy left um, to do really good, productive, interesting, clear work. I just think that's that's the truth, right? And I think, um, for me, that's a really good place to start this conversation, because I feel like the alternative, which is to say, Hey, I'm going to use the time in lockdown to learn the violin and, you know, read philosophy and, you know, all that stuff that people were particularly sort of spouting on Instagram in the first sort of three, four weeks of this thing. Um, I think again, gets us back into, um, to guilt and, Mm. um, feelings of inadequacy very quickly.
1: Mm. Yeah. There's a, the the thing that resonated a lot for me, there's this, um, that feeling of uncertainty um, and so you suddenly everything stopped and so there's this oh well maybe we don't need to do anything but then if you couple that with uncertainty all that nothingness just gets filled in with fear <laughs> it's like oh shit what's gonna happen next um and, well that's my assumption with with maybe some people who just who who, who are very used to being busy how about you Lawrence? what, what how what's your reflection mm-hmm. on on sort of like dealing with productivity over these past few months
2: <clears throat> yeah like graham i think i at first it felt like there'd be a lot of time expansive time because like well we had some stuff to sort out beginning like, like uh cancelling our events so there's lots of practical things we had to do which actually made us more busy with kids at home which felt quite stressful um and then thinking about what well, does work look like business look like for the rest of the year and whilst trying to navigate uh, an online program of founders who are also going through the same transitions or questions. Um, But then I kind of found peace with it really. I think it's for me, it's more, I've always liked the idea of working less, but being more efficient with my time. And so in some ways um, I even remember this when the kids were young or when I got a puppy a couple of years ago, which sounds strange, but having to look after something else or having less time to focus on work actually meant you have to be more, um, don't know, prioritize your work better and actually, hopefully, I wouldn't say I've been more productive, but maybe been more effective in the time I have worked. And, and then accepting, like Graham said, that some things just slip and that's fine. And, and you know, realize that actually, no, I'm not gonna have more time because I've got two kids at home and my wife's working at home and we're bumping into each other around the house. And um, and I've got to look after my mum around the corner and the neighbor. And, and so it's like, ah, uh, you know, you could spend the whole day sort of helping everyone else. And then actually you've got like an hour to get some work done and you feel bad about it. So I think I probably had about three weeks of it and then realized, yeah, to stop, like you said, lose the guilt because we're all just trying to do our best really.
0: I'm just noticing Kim's comment in the chat. there saying, um, uh, lockdown is teaching me to slow down, which I'd say has increased my productivity paradox. And I think both this idea of slow and fast and the sort of the paradox there. And also, um, just the paradox around time and productivity, I think are really useful things to mention. So generally when you have constraint, when you have, uh, let's say, you know that you only have this one hour in the day to do stuff, it will focus the mind to really think about what's your biggest priority. You know, that 80-20 classic kind of productivity idea of the, you know, 20% of what you do is what adds 80% of the value. And so you look for those, 20%. um, 20%. I did a an experiment a few years ago. I did this year of extreme productivity experiments, and one of them was called Flipping the Nine to Five, uh, where I worked five to nine and I did it five to nine a.m. for a couple of weeks, which is actually still um, how I've got this book done, actually, in the last <laughs> couple of weeks. It's been a lot of five to nines, but um, just working four hours a day. And what I really learned from that was I thought, you know, I'd written a book about productivity. I live and breathe that. I talk to clients about it all the time, but just changing my day from nine to five to five to nine suddenly just made me think, wow, like this stuff that I was allowing into my space and, you know, making space for that actually, um, you know, was a bit less relevant or a bit less useful. And when you've only got four hours, it really focuses you to do the most important work and the best work. Um, so it's it's a weird thing, like constraint, as long as you've clarified it, can be a really Um, useful tool for productivity and you can kind of see it as a positive rather than a negative but it's about that clarity so it's about saying this is the hour that I've got or these are the two hours I've got and putting boundaries around that, putting some deadlines and times around that, maybe hand over with your you know other half if you've got kids at home and that kind of thing but just having a really strong boundary around that stuff and like I'll work from here to here um, yeah you'll be amazed at what you can do in two, three, four hours as opposed to having a full day
2: You must get uh, sorry just quickly as you were th- talking yeah, when someone says productivity you must get this all the time that in my head there's an impression that I haven't been productive because I haven't put the hours in like you said versus if I look back at the last few months I actually think in terms of the outcome of the work we've done has actually been very effective but maybe not been hugely productive in terms of it's not been as many hours put into it like you said so do you get that the whole idea of the the language around it being difficult for some people
0: yeah I think so I think. Often internally within Think Productive, so we, we're going into companies and, and selling workshops on on productivity, getting your inbox to zero, fixing your meetings, um, how to be a productivity ninja, this kind of stuff. And often the conversation that we're having with the person who books us is about productivity and that being linked to better returns, better profit, like outcomes for the business. And then the conversation we have in the room when we're running workshops is much more around um, managing your stress. Working smarter, not harder. You know, getting a better balance with the work that you do. So it's kind of like this double-edged sword thing, where actually, when you when you give people that autonomy and ability to to really look after their own minds and to to make their own uh, constraints, make their own rules, make their own schedules, all that sort of stuff, um, you tend to just find better outcomes. But of course, what's what that's kicking back against often, particularly in bigger companies, is just this whole presenteeism thing you know like you're seen as being successful and efficient if you're sat at your desk and the ones who get noticed the ones who send the email at eight o'clock at night saying hey who wants to get pizza guys you know and all that sort of stuff um that's just nonsense you know I think um there's a lot of talk about um hustle and sort of hustle culture the whole Gary Vee um sort of cult is built around this idea of work your face off work 100 hours a day and all that sort of stuff and you know actually it's a really suboptimal way to work like you look at the science of it and the law of diminishing returns kicks in and pretty quickly if you're doing a knowledge work job it's more like 30 hours and 40 hours so if by sometime on a thursday morning you're feeling really tired and fried you're probably done you know (laughs) mentally emotionally energetically for the week and i think you know, we really need to get back to a conversation around uh, Lawrence, as you were saying, you know, what's the, what's the outcome there? Mm-hmm. What's the, what's the sort of productive thing I want to bring to the world rather than mm-hmm. like, have I, you know, put all of those hours into, um, to make something happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so the things that, uh, spring up for me when you're talking there, there's uh, last the last thing I think is real clear intention. What is it I'm trying to create or what is the purpose of this work that I'm trying to do? Um, and the other aspect there is focus. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to hear from people. I'm going to put a, question, a little poll out to see who's uh, who's working from home right now. <laughs> so uh, answer that. Um, because one of the challenges, whether you're working from home or not, and I think that I see also with a lot of people in our community Uh, entrepreneurs and startups is distraction and not being able to focus on a specific piece of work because oh there's this other thing and there's this other thing and there's this other thing or am I doing the right thing right now Um, so I hear from you this real need to to be present with the work and to focus on it uh, and how that means you become more effective is there anything that you've learned around actually then deciding that this is the right thing to be doing right now, and to stop yourself drifting off to oh, but there's that, and there's the social media, and there's the marketing, and there's this?
0: Uh, yeah, loads. <laughs> so let's think. Um, I think uh, I mean one of the things that I learned very early on in my career was um, the Stephen Covey um, story about big rocks, which I think is is just such a useful. Uh, way to think about your work so basically uh, if you think about if you've got uh, big rocks and pebbles and sand and you've got to put it all in the jar if you want to get everything in you've got to start with the big rocks and then you fill the the kind of smaller things in around it and I I still kind of think about that um, today and particularly in in my mind it's like I choose one big rock for the morning and one big rock for the afternoon Uh, and if I'm doing a A long day, as I've done a few recently, where it's like I'm doing a kind of five to nine shift and then I'm having an hour off and then I'm doing another morning shift and then an afternoon shift. I'll kind of think about it as being two, maybe three. I think if you've got if you've written down seven top priorities, you have no priorities. Right. So you've got to get really clear about your choices. Um, So that's the first thing. I think the second thing, which is particularly important in times like this um, is around agility. And coming back to those decisions that you've made regularly. And in many cases, it's about renegotiating your commitments with yourself. Right. So it's like I was going to do this thing. And then three weeks later, the world's changed. And another three weeks later, the world's changed again. So one of the things I do um, every week, and it's it's in the book, is um, this idea of the weekly review. So I have a I have a checklist for it. If you want to find the checklist, just go, if you just Google Think Productive Weekly Checklist, you'll be able to find. Um, a couple of examples there but basically the checklist is about um, walking me through what's on my plate what work i'm doing what my calendar looks like uh, looking at my projects list um, which i think is one of the most underrated and most important pieces of of productivity infrastructure if you like it's not the to-do list but actually the projects list like what's my list of the bigger outcomes i'm trying to trying to get to Um, so i look through that and i want to make sure i've got at least um, a good sense of what the next physical action is that I need to do on any of those projects, but also a really good sense of um, like how tactically that's going to play out over the weekend. Leanne's saying, yeah, yeah, similar to the GTD weekly review. That's really where I I learned the whole idea of re- reviewers from David Allen, GTD. And I I think that's like, it's one of those habits that's a really difficult one to make it stick. Um, a lot of people start doing... Um, uh, oh yeah there you go Lawrence has just put it in the uh, the chat there uh, a lot of people start doing some kind of weekly checklist weekly review process and get three or four weeks into it and then kind of fall out of love with it or stop doing it um, and for me the power is like doing it consecutively like doing it two three four five six seven uh, you know weeks in a row what you start to see is you just have a much greater sense of control over what you're doing um, and also your I think the more you do this stuff the easier it gets to become ruthless in your thinking. And what I mean by that is uh, ruthless with screening things out that you don't want to do, ruthless with renegotiating. Even though I said to myself I was going to do this and maybe I said to some other people I was going to do this, I'm actually going to change my mind on that because it's no longer worth me spending four hours of my time on. So it's those kind of conversations that we have to have regularly with ourselves. And often we don't have those conversations explicitly as part of a process. We have them in the shower or walking the dog or while we're making a cup of tea and we we half have the thought but we never quite finish it and i think having some kind of checklist to be able to focus on with that is a really good way of, of finishing that thinking and in my head there's like there's a massive difference between doing between doing 90% of that thinking and doing all of it is just like an infinite benefit right you've got to get to the end of that thinking in order for it to to really have an impact
1: there's a it sounds like there's a discipline to this, um, to do this on a regular basis. Um, and and my immediate thought is then making yourself do that. And then while you're trying to do that review thinking, oh my God, should I be doing something else? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, ah, oh, this is how, how's this going to work? Um, is this the right system? Is this the right <laughs> system? Is this going to help? Yeah. So this is really interesting in terms of like, building up that muscle i don't know what is did you find it quite easy for you to just slip into that and have that as a regular practice or did you go through dips of doing it and then stopping and then and then yeah just if someone was trying to struggle to even just have that simple discipline well, yeah what it's, you your has been
0: yeah it reminds me of um because you know really what that's about is about getting to a, a sort of level of clarity that helps you to manage your own stress and manage your own uncertainty and everything because we're you know like part of the nature of work is that you're living with uncertainty all the time right um and that's something that can be quite difficult to just put down on a friday and have a weekend um and so being able to live with that uh sort of constant sense of uncertainty particularly if you're an entrepreneur as well right where you're you're responsible not just for your uncertainty but for everybody else's too um what really starts to happen is that once you Doing that regularly, and you start to feel a bit more in control of that, and you feel more comfortable with like where you're at with that stuff. It just has such a such an amazing kind of stress relieving benefit. Like it's the time in my week where I feel most empowered. I feel most momentum. Uh, I feel really good about being able to put that down on a Thursday or Friday. My my weeks tend to finish on a Thursday, and then picking it back up again on a Monday. And so it's one of those where like slightly paradoxically the more you do it the more you understand the benefit of it and the more you prioritize it um but if you think about it's kind of stress relieving benefits then i suppose the way to think about it is it's a bit like that buddhist saying which is like um you should meditate for half an hour a day except when you're busy then you should meditate for an hour a day um and it's one of those where yeah when you've got when you really feel like up against it and i do this too like i have weeks where it's like okay i'll just I'll, i'll do the checklist next week it's fine um, and then suddenly, three weeks have gone by, and suddenly you start to feel, you know, just the fog uh, comes in, or you just feel really uncertain about about whether you're making the right choices and stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, sure enough, go back to doing that <laughs> that weekly process, and you just instantly feel better at the end of it. So uh, it's one of those that it's very easy to forget how useful it is. Um, and yeah, a lot of our work is about helping people to um, to make stick some of those really valuable sort of discipline habits it's um uh yeah if there was a secret source or a kind of special potion you could drink that would make you do that stuff all the time um a i would love it and i would <laughs> i would take that pill uh every day b i'd be a bit concerned because i'd sort of be out of a job right <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's kind of a lot of what we do is the fact that this is difficult and people do struggle with it um but yeah i think it's it's very valuable
1: the word habit um sprang out for me very quickly and it's that thing of the challenge we always have human nature's difficult to cultivate new habits um, and I'm wondering as as to whether doing it as a group can help because I've always heard yeah. that you know when you're doing a new habit whether it's the gym or anything new having that doing it as a as a group as a collective where you hold each sure. other accountable to it whether that's something that can help I don't know if that's something that you've seen people try
0: yeah i have and also um just in pairs, just like having a buddy, like a review buddy, right? Um, and what's really interesting about that is there's something in our psychology to do with intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation, where we're really happy to let ourselves down and not do it, but we don't want to let someone else down. So if we've got, you know, eleven until one is our have a coffee and review time with a with our buddy, we have to show up and be there, and we'll show up for that other person, and that forces us to then show up for ourselves. Um, Yes, yeah, so I think groups. It's easier to sneak out of a group if there's ten of you, and suddenly there's nine, and no one notices. But um, yeah, if you've got one buddy, and it's like you've got a time that really works well for the two of you to both do it every week, I think it's a really valuable way of doing it.
1: I think Kim just hit the nail on the head there. It's like productivity review buddy. Um, she's in. So who wants to join Kim, or if you want to yeah, pair up with anyone else, and,
0: uh, you offer out your um and I think the other thing about it uh just in terms of if you're literally going to do that right now and sort of um, (laughs) pick someone out I think it's really important to do um I think this is a big issue generally not just with review but it's really important to make space for quality thinking um so in my experience doing a review first thing on the Monday morning when everyone else is emailing you isn't a great plan um, doing it when you're in the house with kids coming and tapping you on the shoulder isn't a great plan, right? And so, you know, back in the days of people working in offices, I would always say, if there's a day in your week where you're working from home and you're on your own and you have solitude, that's the day to do um, that review process. Or if that's not happening for you, can you go to the coffee shop around the corner? Can you just find a different space to be able to do that? So I think it's it's really important as well as being in the habit of um doing it regularly is doing it regularly at a time where you have that space for quality thinking
1: mm. now i was wondering from you Lawrence, your experience of doing this because you you know knowing you that you're you're um, governed a lot also by your energy so unless mm. you know have been compelled to do it at a certain time each week uh, doesn't always work for you
2: um yes and no i think I, oh, it's been different during lockdown as well. I think because we've had this program we're running, and so we've used Monday morning to catch up with Lana, who's on a, who's one of the coaches on the program. So that's been really useful because we've had a momentum around that. I think in terms of a check-in, a weekly check-in to see, you know, what did we learn last week? What, what can we tweak? What will we do differently this week? Um, in terms of putting something in the diary each week yeah because i think everything's been in flux so much i think i found it hard to find that flow yeah. as often as possible and i think one of the few constants is actually this weekly um <laughs> webinar really, which has been great because it's been a nice place to just have chats like this and so i found that useful personally um but yeah i think it's when i see a full diary i just feel stressed i think i'm sure a lot of lots of people so whilst on the one hand i like the idea of a rhythm and planning when my diary starts to get really full i start to get anxiety feeling and so um whilst it's not all about like me following my energy i think there's something about like like graham said if you get to the point on a thursday where you're done then you're done and just walk away from the thing you're trying to do and, and i've tried to follow that more in lo- and that was kind of where i was curious maybe we can tap onto this uh, at some point and the read re- the conversations around the well-being side of this because mm. i think you highlighted this in your post that led to this call was um and you wrote the book about nutrition right um a couple of years ago about how we can eat better to to be more productive and so i'm curious to know about i i know personally when when i'm feeling a lack of energy there's something that tells me i need to take some time out and even if it's just 10 minutes whatever like you said meditate walk whatever it might be and then come back to it fresher with with fresh eyes
0: yeah for sure um, so yeah, so, it? I mean, I, I yeah. think food, food's are vital thing. So I, I was talking before about my um, extreme productivity experiments doing, um, flipping the nine to five. I did another one, um, which was all about eating the optimum diet um, for productivity. So looking at foods that particularly fuel the brain. Um, that led on to working with a nutritionist and um, doing a lot of reading around the the, the science um Uh, as much as it is. There's still a lot that we don't know about how the brain works, but um, a lot of the science around um, different foods and also how we digest different foods. Um, And that's all in a book called Work Fuel, um, which actually we're going to, we're going to re-release. It was a book that was, uh, so there's loads of nutrition books, but there wasn't particularly a nutrition book that was about how to have energy and how to have energy in a busy working environment. So we thought, hey, this is like a huge. Um, there's a huge gap in the market here. Is, is there a market in that gap? Um, turns out there wasn't really. <laughs> so <laughs> we're actually going to release it again as a more general book around having energy, and um, with a little bit less of a productivity slant. And so um, I don't know if that's yet up on Amazon, but it's it's due out in January, um, and it's uh, going to be called How to Have the Energy, as simple as that. Nice. Um, Reminds me of you can still I'm... get the work fuel one. That's still if you want to get it now, you can get the. Uh,
2: I was about to say, it reminds me of um, when you came to Altitude, you did a workshop, didn't you, about the the sort of key concepts of the book. And then I think the next few weeks afterwards, everyone's sending you pictures of their food. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Which is kind of how it started for me was um, coaching with Colette, the co-author of the book. um, And I would send her, um, you know, pictures of my plates and she would send it back. But one of the main messages that she kept instilling in me that became a main message in the book is the idea of eat the rainbow. So there's a, a whole range of different nutrients that you get from uh, from different colored foods. So having a salad where everything is green, yeah, it's good for you, but it's not actually optimal. Um, so adding in the red tomatoes and the yellow peppers and you know, having different colors of things in there, beetroots and carrots and different things like that will really uh, help you to uh, develop the energy around, uh, around your work. And the other one that was really big for me, and this gets in, into a little bit kind of um, you know, certainly this was my personal experience rather than it being um, medical advice, but um, to look for foods uh, that contain tryptophan. So a lot of nuts have tryptophan. Avocado has tryptophan. But tryptophan is a very good um, and turkey if you're a meat eater um, and various other foods. But it's a, a, a really important um, amino acid that basically um, supports uh, like your body's dealing with stress. So if you're dealing with a lot of stress, a lot of adrenaline and kind of adrenal function um, is really helped by um, eating certain food. So it's, you know, and that's just one example. There's hundreds of things that you can do um, around that that just turn kind of average meals into really optimal meals um, without the need to do paleo or, uh, you know, sort of uh, bullet coffees in the morning and all that, all that sort of crazy extreme stuff. There's the good news is you don't need to be extreme with food. Mm-hmm. Um, you just need to be consistent with it mm-hmm. um, so that's definitely a thing but I think there's there is a more general thing here about energy as well and I think you know I mean all the science is um, uh, like in terms of exercise that you actually don't need to do that much to get a really big benefit so just doing 10-15 minutes doing a little bit of Joe Wicks in the morning uh, I've been doing um, the Joe Wicks hit uh, training long before it was cool right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know even just 15 minutes of that just wakes the brain up, and I I really notice that if I'm having a lazy day where I've not done some exercise early on in the day, um, I really notice that my brain is not quite as engaged. And then yeah. the days where it's like I did my 15 minute hit training um, early on, it's like oh, who to thunk it again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually worked. So often it's like doing the simple things really consistently and well um, can just can really help.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Again, it comes okay. for me. It comes back to that idea of trying to cultivate a habit that is sometimes hard to start. You know, trying to do some physical exercise in the morning. I know a lot of people really struggle with it, but over time, how that can really just you feel the benefits. So mm-hmm. a bit like the really? the review and the, the morning exercise, how how it takes time for that to really kick in.
0: Nice. No, just seen Leanne's put. Um high tryptophan foods in the chat mm. which is very handy uh, work work <laughs> um, and that's right i'd forgotten that eggs are high in tryptophan mm. uh, i have eggs pretty much every morning um, and that was a big change that working with colette brought about i, w- I was never someone that was that bothered about breakfast um, and again it turns out particularly having protein early in the day mm. um, really helps your metabolism uh,
1: mm.
0: helps you get the best from the other foods
2: that you're putting in i don't know about you guys but i think food's been one of the few sort of uh, highlights of lockdown, how <laughs> to, to enjoy food more and have more time to cook and eat.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of people reporting. We we um, uh, eBay is one of our clients at, at Think Productive. And um, I remember having a conversation with someone at eBay a few years ago saying that everyone has the, um, the eBay half stone, which is basically like when you start working at eBay, you get so used to the fact that it's like free smoothies, uh, um. free pastries, free food all day, like, you know, lunch carts coming around with all this amazing food. They just put on half a stone, like really quickly. Wow! Um, and I think a lot of people are sort of reporting the uh, the lockdown half a stone as well, right? Because you're just next to the bridge <laughs> all the time. Yeah.
2: We can't. We can't <laughs> say no.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's the distraction. Of potentially, I think the majority of people saying um, we answered the poll. They they are working from home, and so there's that that uh, well distraction of the kitchen, distraction of the kids if you have them, distraction of potentially living in the working in the place that you normally live yeah. and then seeing that that heap of dishes <laughs> as you're tapping away at the computer now that can be a challenge it um, I, well.
2: like um i don't know i've read a lot about and i certainly struggled with it at the early part of lockdown not sleeping as well and that makes you more tired than then you probably yeah. need more sugar and start to binge
1: yeah i've had the worst sleeping habits over this past few months it's it's uh i think the fact that I don't need to go anywhere or i used to have a, a a habit of at least going to the co-working space on a regular basis each week but because you're at home you don't need to get changed
2: <laughs> we don't want to know what you're wearing in your lower half no one needs to see that
0: <laughs> whole days just from bed it's just like
1: well, yeah <laughs> exactly, just the side <laughs> But it adds to this idea that you're talking about the uncertainty but also the potential absence of structure uh, unless you're really disciplined. I think that can be a big challenge for people. I just want to say if you have any questions for Graham or anything that pops up, we've already got a question from Kim that we can address in a bit. But if you do have any other questions that pop up for you, no matter how silly you may think they are, um They'll help us because it's always good filler. But at the same time, this is a great inspiration for the conversation. So please post any question in the ask a question feature here on Crowdcast. Um, uh, but, yeah, on that, maybe do you want to have a look at this first question from Kim uh, to, to sure. see what. Um, so she says, uh, what tips do you have for small business owners, social entrepreneurs who feel the demands of their clients but want to work sustainably? Uh, for the business and personally?
0: Yeah, I mean, this maybe is one that I have some good practical um, experience with. So so Think Productive, uh, my company for the last eight years now, maybe even nine years, has been working a four-day week. So we have, throughout that whole time, uh, like clients have never, a lot of clients for, for the first few years we were doing it, um, it felt it felt like a really daring um, thing that was not mainstream, uh, you know, in any way. So you didn't have like Jacinda Arden coming out and saying, "Hey guys, maybe the whole world should work a four day week." Like it wasn't a mainstream thing that was even on the horizon. So we felt very defensive about it in terms of not telling our story about it and wanted to keep that from clients. But we'd still get emails and phone calls on the Friday when everyone else is working Monday to Thursday it's like how do you still stay uh you know present for clients and the way we managed to make that work was basically everybody would work one Friday and four so there was always one person whose job it is to just be that first port of contact uh you know when that's needed but it just allows everybody else to do a four day week and then everyone kind of takes turns on it so that was kind of how we worked with that and i think um you know if if by sustainably in that question part of that is about um, taking some downtime and setting some boundaries around when you're going to get back to people and when you when you're not, um, it's really worth thinking about as a team. How can you sort of play around with those schedules? And um, we've kind of used um, uh, we have e- email inboxes that are called things like "Hello at Think Productive" clients clients at Think Productive. So generally, you'll get the same person on it, but it makes it easier for us to then give that inbox to someone else to manage for a day, or you know, to to sort of transfer the phone to. Uh, someone else's mobile and that kind of thing so just using the technology in that way I think is really helpful I would also say that I think in the current climate that we're in I think there's a general lessening of the expectation around that and so you know if you're still feeling that same pressure um, maybe the good news is when you take a step back there isn't actually the same expectation from clients that you need to be on 24 7 you know depending on what you're doing if you're you know Chris. Chris Whitty's PA doing the science advice or something, yeah, you probably need to be on 24 uh, seven, but actually in a lot of client work, and we've definitely noticed this, uh, people are giving you more leeway in terms of not getting back to them within the hour or within the day or whatever your your sort of standard procedures and practices are. So I think there's just, you know, there is a bit of a an acknowledgement that life and work are more blurred and more difficult and more uh, in flux than uh, perhaps they are in sort of normal life. So I think it's just worth taking that into account too the other one that i think is a really nice um little tip and trick is using your uh using your out of office or using your email signature to just give clients a really good indication of these are my working days or the out of office comes back saying hey i'm out now until thursday or whatever the whatever the thing is there is just kind of using that as the way to manage the boundary or even just um hey i'm taking the morning to work offline i'm not going to be on email i'll be back on email at, at noon or something and setting that up as an out of office just for that three, four hours in the morning. Um, So kind of using the technology a little bit to help you to set those clear boundaries. And as I said before, um, I think uh, boundaries and constraints um, work really well, but only when you're clear. So again, it's like actually defining that rather than saying, Oh, I wish people wouldn't call me in the morning, like actually setting it as these are my times to be online um, makes a difference in the same way that, you know, if you're dealing with staff, um, you know one of the things often I uh, like when I'm coaching people I'll often talk about is uh, the idea of having surgery hours for your team right so it's like uh, I'm going to do my work in the morning and then two till four those are my surgery hours feel free always to book me in anytime you need um, my time and attention between two and four like any day my diary is open um, and that open door policy between two and four allows you to have a closed door for some of those other hours and so again just uh, putting those things in some kind of boundary and some kind of constraint um, just often allows you to open that stuff
1: up.
2: Mm-hmm. Any was, thoughts, Lawrence? Yeah, I was about to say, well, it feels like with the client side of things, I just remember the agency days when we were working with clients, it, I think it's a lot easier when you set out from the beginning with that arrangement. Yeah. I, yeah. I think Setting it or changing the way you work when they've had a certain expectation of yeah. your availability can be difficult. Um, I think the other thing was just for me, the story you tell sounds so important. So there's the practical side of how it works, but then there's why you're doing it and what that means in terms of the effectiveness of, of the the work you create for them. So how you can tell the story that you're actually going to be of better service to them by being less available, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm just looking at Kim's um, comment in there as well, saying, please, can you say something about managing the workload personally uh, when they're seeing, so yeah, clients and team and all that over there, but like, yeah, I've got, what, I don't feel like I can fit into a seven day week. How can I do it in a four day week? Um, so what I'd say about that is um, so actually there, there was a survey uh, a couple of years ago, some research around happiness and which com- which countries in the world had the best work life balance and the least amount of stress. And as always in these kind of surveys, um, Denmark came out as the, the top. You know, the Scandinavians are so smug, aren't they? They get everything right. Um, and they went to Denmark to interview people and said, you know, why why does Denmark have the best work-life balance and, and the least stress? And um, this guy on the TV news was like, well, it's very simple. If you want to reduce stress, just lower your expectations. Um, and I think that's probably, you know, a really important um, point to sort of talk to Kim's question mm-hmm. there is like, I think we need to really understand that like a productivity ninja is a human and not a superhero, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a limit to what we do. There are no special powers. Um, we do have human levels of energy. Um, and you know, actually the best way to really feed that productivity is to do less, not more. So particularly mm-hmm. when you feel under pressure, um, you know, Carlos, you talked talking about sleep before, but just actually taking that step back and kind of, um, you know, deliberately having some some days where you're doing a bit less will give you the stamina to over a long period of time do more um, and sort of keep you from burnout. You know, the, wor- the world always needs um, what we do um, for the next 20 or 30 years at like 90, 95% capacity, not hmm. the next half a year at 110% capacity and then burnout, right? So it's yeah. like all these things are a marathon, not a sprint. So I think that's important. And, and I think... Again, you know, coming back to what I was talking about before with um, uh, the idea of the weekly checklist. um, One of the most important things about that for me is that it allows you to go through your projects and your actions and make sure you've got a really nicely defined project every time. And then also really clear what are the next physical things I need to do on each of those um, items. And like I think when you do that really regularly, it makes it much easier Uh, to start saying no to more things, to start to recognize where the energy and value is, you know, in and amongst these 30 things I want to do, actually these three are where the money is or these three are where my love is or these three are where people really need my help right now. And so I think, you know, often we don't, uh, we don't spend enough time on that thinking and enough time on that, um, uh, like, you know, real deep thinking around linking the priorities that we see in our projects to our sort of deeper values, wider purpose, uh, you know, uh, company value, whatever, whatever we're trying to create. And so I think the more we do that, um, the easier it is to say no to some of those things.
1: A thing that also, I think springs up for me, a deeper level is giving yourself permission to let people down. Um, my, take my experience of this is always wanting to make sure everyone's happy and you you know you do your best work for everyone uh and how that can really stop you from not doing because you don't want to feel like you're letting people down so there's and this i think for me is quite a fundamental thing and quite one of the most challenging things uh i believe is just saying okay i'm going to screw up here or i'm going to miss that email or i'm not going to be able to deliver on that time frame and not because I'm lazy or I'm not um, diligent, it's just I'm going to have to let something go. One plate is just going to have to fall at some point and yeah. then not beating, beating myself up about it. So, and more often than not, it doesn't end up being the disaster I thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so fail faster, right? So if there's 50 things, rather than trying to think that you're going to get to 50 things, recognize which are the two or three that you need to drop or the five or 10 that you need to drop. Um, and get comfortable with that. I think a big part of, if you're going to manage your attention um, really ruthlessly, and what I I mean by that is deliberately being ignorant to certain things, whether that's turning off email, whether it's uh, putting phone blockers on your phone. I use a thing on my phone called Quality Time, which is an app on Mm -hmm. Android. Um, There's uh, similar ones for iPhone, like Freedom, uh, Off Time. And... What those uh, apps will do is block certain parts of your phone. So it blocks for me, Instagram, Twitter, Google Chrome, all that stuff is blocked for certain times of the day. What that means is I am going to miss some at replies on Twitter or some messages on LinkedIn, or I'm going to miss a load of stuff where people are like, you know, maybe people really want a response in the next hour. Like I didn't look at LinkedIn over the last hour before this call and I put a thing out there saying, Uh, hey, I'm doing this Crowdcast thing with happy startups, like get involved. If anyone replied saying, oh, where's the link? I didn't see that. Um, So there'll be small things where we need to... uh... We'll be having words about that, Graham. (laughs) (laughs) I did actually about an hour before I sent the link to someone, but then I turn it off, right? And it's the same with email. And there was actually, this week is a really interesting uh, thing with that, where uh, I've basically kept my inbox at zero all week, but my action folder, the things I still need to get back to people on, has been slowly creeping up as I've been doing this book. Um, and I've deliberately just spent as little time on email this week as I can possibly get away with because my brain and my attention needs to be on a book. And um, I don't know, those of you in the, in the chat and on the call who've, who've written books, you'll know that like a book is one of the very few things where you can't really put it all down on paper like a to-do list. Like you have to sort of carry it in your head in a weird way. And it just means that your head just has no space for anything else. And so I think that's really true of like anything of like real value in the world. You've got to have a deep level of attention to it. You know, Cal Newport uses this phrase, the deep work. Um, And you've got to really um, screen out a lot of that noise and stuff. And so, you know, the art of letting small bad things happen, I think, is a really important part of productivity and the art of failing faster um, is a really important part of it. And uh, I think Tim Ferriss calls it um, uh, having a low information diet
2: mm-hmm. and
0: selective ignorance. You know, I think these <laughs> are really important um, phrases as we think about how we manage mm-hmm. our attention. Because it's our attention that really counts, not our time, right? And it's how we manage our attention that matters.
2: I like the idea of uh, make time, but they talk about infinity pool apps. <laughs> the idea mm-hmm. of these apps are just like, you know, always on and there's always more data and information uh, to swallow. Yeah. Um, I, uh,
1: there's that. I think the thing is, two things that um, come to mind is there's the attention. So, have that focused attention to do the thing that you're doing at the moment. Uh, and then the intention that these are the important things. And when you're talking about the rocks yeah. in that jar, these, and so everything else, even if it is important to someone else, unfortunately, is not part of my intention. And so, I, I being able to then drop those things and not put them in the jar because they're not. Within the the direction I want to go, and I feel that's another fundamental thing I feel, particularly with the people we work with, is with less intention, you have less attention because you're not sure what to say no to anymore because you're so you want to fit everything in. So a difficult one to yeah. to deal with, but I think a fundamental one. I think it's almost like um, a
0: taboo. Like it's a bit, um, it's almost it's put on the same level as hypocrisy, right? Um like hypocrisy is often the worst thing someone in public life can be or a politician can be or a manager can be right um but right up there with hypocrisy is the idea that i said i was going to do this and now i'm no longer going to do this um and i think if you've got a good reason why the world has changed my priorities have changed my my intention is not that um i think we need to get much more comfortable with that idea um and do that on a much more regular basis and um in fact i know you guys from uh a few years ago when you had your shared space and you just decided we're no longer gonna have this co-working space like that was our thing before we really believed in it and now we no longer believe in it like i Mm. think we need to get much um more comfortable with the idea of saying no to things that we previously had said yes to yeah
2: yeah
1: Well, links to a previous conversation about closing well with Tom Nixon and Mm. how, uh, yeah, when something has no more creative energy. Yeah, I really love
0: that (laughs) conversation with Tom.
1: (laughs) Okay, I have another question here uh, from Alex. Um, Would you have any advice about how to remain productive when your workload is quieter than usual? During the pandemic, my usual work has definitely slowed down and I found it difficult to remain productive.
0: Um, well, that sounds like great news, doesn't it? <laughs> like, <laughs> means it's uh, probably an easier game to win. Um, so you can look at it on that surface level. But I think, in all seriousness, I think um, you know, for for a lot of people, um, they've they've gone through the opposite of that, right? Where it's like my workload is just now, uh, you know, it's trebled, and I've got kids at home to teach and all this kind of stuff. Um, and actually, I think it's just as much of a problem if suddenly it feels like there's just much less work to do like how do I how do I you know keep myself um, in a good momentum and a good rhythm and all that sort of stuff Um, so there's Parkinson's law which says work expands to fill the time available Um, and I would suggest that if your workload's gone down you need to be really mindful of Parkinson's law Um, I would say that with that there are kind of two options one is you fill more of that you know, you keep trying to work at the same kind of momentum, and then you have two choices. You either fill more of that space with leisure, uh, sitting in the park, uh, you know, social distancing, seeing friends or whatever, Um, or you ask yourself a different question, which is like, are there other projects that I can now use to fill that gap? So maybe that's professional development stuff. Um, I know um, training is still permissible to everybody, even if you're on furlough. Um, so, And there's so much of it out there at the moment in terms of free resources and stuff. Um, we've got a few of our own, which I'll, I'll mention in a few minutes. But, um, you know, I think just filling that with may, and maybe with more uh, creative or explorative, um, explorative is that word? Um, exploration projects, right? Where it's like, actually, I get to experiment with um, maybe this new product that we might try and create or at least doing some research around that new product that I was thinking about or whatever those things are. Um, So, you know, I think there's a sort of sense of um, either being proactive with how do I temporarily kind of fill that uh, gap with more meaningful, useful stuff that I can put out into the world, or you do the opposite, which is to create more of a constraint and say, I'm still going to work at full pelt. I'm just going to do it for a few hours and have a better balance temporarily. Um, And I think both are fine. Like, (laughs) But I'd say both are, are better than um, just uh, succumbing to Parkinson's law and stretching out um, the work in a really unsatisfactory way and then beating yourself up about it.
1: Mm.
2: Any think, thoughts, Lawrence? I was just to say that Parkinson's law really hits home for me is it when the days when you haven't got much on, it's easy to fill it with crap. <laughs> um, so was a
0: really good challenge, I think, with anything that you're working on is set out so there's the planning fallacy right where psychologically people always underestimate um, how long things are going to take but if you do that estimation at the beginning and let's say you're working on a a piece of writing or something that you think is going to take two hours um like playing around with that and saying what would this look like if i did it in 30 minutes and just really messing with your own brain around that like often parkinson's law works in reverse you know so if you if you only give yourself thirty minutes, you will produce something half decent in thirty minutes.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, so just playing with it like that. A good example of that is the talk I gave this morning. I was planning on spending yesterday afternoon on it, and life got in the way. Yeah. Ended up spending an hour on it this morning, and I think it actually probably got a more effective outcome. Um, but like you said, that just focused the mind of like what, rather than oh, I could do this or I could do that. It's like okay, I've got I haven't got time to think. Just just do, and and sometimes that pays dividends. Not always.
1: I think there's um. There's like two two different types of work I feel we're talking about. There's this idea of productive work, things that feel like they're going to deliver value immediately. Uh, and I, my, what I hear from Alex's question from my perspective is that um, I've got less work, I need to work on what I have got better, but for some reason that's not happening. And that's an energy thing, an emotion thing. Fear about oh I don't have enough work and so I'm defocused I don't have the attention uh, and so I'm not I'm not getting these things done as quickly as you as, as I should do um and maybe there's something around okay if I was if I knew I could use this time to find more clients or market myself yeah. better or something there was that real strong intention maybe you could fill that time or structure it better but then the other aspect of this is the idea of creative work where you do need to just essentially fill it with like you said thinking about it and and not necessarily creating straight away but having that space to wander and and to just drift but it's still intentionally doing that rather than in between washing the dishes or looking after the kids you like spending your time doing that so i wonder if there's something around not only thinking about productive work but how can you introduce some creative space as well
0: Yeah. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that often is the first podcast question I get asked is always, what's your definition of productivity? Uh, You guys didn't ask me that, which I'm very grateful (laughs) for. Um, But usually, you know, over the years, I've sort of had different ones. But the one I always use now is that productivity is ultimately about making space for what matters. And if you think about where all the best ideas you've ever had come from, they probably didn't come when you were sat at your desk doing emails. Um, They probably came in the shower or when you were walking in the woods or, uh, you know, someplace else. So I think may, you know, maybe there's something again where, and I, I certainly feel this a lot is like feeling guilty um, for the idea of once I've created that space, actually using it to go for a walk or have some downtime and get inspiration. And like, because this is going to sound really pretentious now, um, but because oh, I'm a big really part, a, yeah, I'm, I'm in Brighton after all. Uh, because a big part of my work is about creating, writing, um, you know, books, courses, all this sort of stuff. Um, a couple of times a year, I have to remind myself of that, and I'm not very good at um, following it through. But I always write. A couple of times a year, I write in my um, in my Nozbe, my to-do list manager. Um, your job is to go for a walk in the woods and you know seeing it in that way that like actually what's going to help me generate ideas and solve problems and recognize the thing that's stuck in my business or whatever those things are you know that's going to unhook and uh reveal itself like when I go for a walk in the woods and when I'm consciously uh not putting my attention onto emails and social media and like all that frenetic stuff um and as I say I'm not particularly great at um once I've created that space, actually using it for those mm-hmm. useful things. But I think it's a really good, that's that's one of those things that I'm always working on is, um, you know, trying to use that space in the way that um, leads to the the bigger inspirations.
1: One thing that springs to mind about if you do have that space and, and you want to fill it, one of the things that I've experienced through the work that we're doing is connecting with others. If you can get a chance to just have a conversation or be part of a group and just even that talking around ideas or, or even challenges like this, having a space like this where you think I'm struggling with this or this is a bit difficult, then we can all get too busy, particularly now in lockdown, in our own little bubbles, trying to make things happen on our own and forgetting that just reaching out, having a conversation between one or two other people, we found that. Over and over again, how that just shifts the energy, and you just see things you didn't see before. Yeah. So, and that's productive and that can help. Sure. Cool. Uh, we have another couple of questions before we kick off and uh, I'll finish off. We've got um, Leanne here. She says, uh, Clearly, most companies will now let their teams have the choice to continue working from home, probably as part of a hybrid mix with the office and third spaces. Are you seeing an uplift in employers wanting to train their teams in productivity as being remote? Uh, mean as being remote means more trust is needed, and the focus should be less on hours worked and more on outcomes delivered. Is is there a shift to come?
0: I think the shift's happening. Um, we we launched a new workshop a few weeks ago called "Leading Remote Teams" um, to sort of respond to that demand that we were seeing, um, and yeah, getting great. Uh, feedback from people, which to me says that it is scratching an itch, like people are definitely thinking about that. I think for me, the shift that is maybe more, I think think we'll go back very quickly to uh, a sort of hybrid model where I do think there'll be more working from home than there was before the pandemic, but there'll be nowhere near the level of working from home that um certainly that there is now there are a few companies i think in quite a forward-thinking way i saw a charity yesterday saying hey we're going to get rid of our london office and just everybody be remote um, but i think they'll be um from what i'm seeing they will be the exceptions rather than what everyone will do i think most people will still have big offices and stuff i think the bigger shift that is more difficult is uh, removing that presenteeism um which for me is is always about trust and autonomy. So there's kind of two ways that you manage people, right? One is you you sort of keep an eye on them and like just keep walking into the room and just uh, make sure they're still at their desks and uh, make sure that you don't see Facebook on their computer or whatever. Um, and the other way that you manage people is you give them the outcomes that you want to deliver, um, you coach them, you invest in them, and then you let them get out of the way and let them get the hell on with it, right? Um, and that level of autonomy and trust is uncomfortable for people. Um, so I think we're, I mean, there was a thing I saw a couple of weeks ago where there's a company developing software that will basically track people as they're working at their desks. I think it's the worst, <laughs> just absolutely the worst. Um, and I think, you know, one of the, one of the real hidden, uh, you know, unexpected, positive outcomes of this whole pandemic situation is the amount of of teams and the amount of employers who are, uh, who've let everyone work from home, which was banned before or not allowed in that level before. And it turns out that they've got on with it and done their work. Like if you trust people, um, you know, then actually um, generally people are good and generally people mm-hmm. will be motivated and, and do good work. And so I think, you know, for me, um, I think there is still, there's a big shift in a lot of people's minds around that, that whole kind of, uh, but have they done their hours? You know, all that sort of um, like monitoring of, of people mm. and sort of counting of hours, especially when at the other extreme, you've got, you know, people working in Amazon warehouses wearing nappies because they're not, they're not allowed to clock the three minutes it would take to go to the toilet and stuff. You know, it's um, that stuff is still serious and real mm. and exists. Um, mm. And yeah, I, I just think that will be the the ultimate test is if we can kind of really, as a society start Mm. to um, trust people to do work in a much more autonomous way. Mm. Um, And yeah, I mean, that's how we've run Think Productive for years, you know, people sort of working in different parts of the country, home offices. We have had a central space, but we've had a lot of people remote. I, even when we had a central space was in the office, like, you know, a day a month, if that, Um, and, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how how that plays out over the next few months.
2: Reminds me of years ago the, um, when LastMinute.com came out and travel company online. I think they're the first online travel company, and they used to have a button for the boss is coming, and it would bring up like a spreadsheet or a kind of pie chart to make it look like you're busy. Yeah, you can't yeah. be booking holidays at work. That's just outrageous.
1: Uh, I think Leanne mentions then is, is she says it's all about all all about culture in a way, uh, yeah. and I and leadership I, and leadership well I, I wanted to acknowledge like you know i rem- when we were running an agency um we wanted to give people as much freedom as possible and autonomy to, to get their work done uh just wanted to acknowledge it isn't as simple as well because there's that pressure as a founder as a leader you've got a uh, revenue to generate that you've got this cash flow you're trying to manage and so there's this real tension yeah. where you think are they doing the work they need to do because we need to get that money in because yeah. if you don't get that money in so I, I, it really that's why when leanne said is it's about culture it really is about yeah. the ethos ukraine and as a founder as a leader where your attention is and and where that of that fear is and and so yeah i'd totally feel i believe i would have loved to, i love the idea of giving people much more autonomy and freedom to do that um but there's the acknowledging also that the pressures of work if I can understand why that can be difficult for some yeah. people. So, you know, yeah.
0: one of the things we say on that leading remote teams workshop is that basically culture uh, comes from physical spaces, um, but it also comes from leadership. And so, how you set the, the the culture in terms of the team dynamic, the culture in terms of how often you meet, how you meet, um, you know, what uh, numbers your you know, particularly keeping an eye on and trying to grip. You know, all those kind of really key elements of running a team. Um, you can do that without physical space, but but they do need to be there, right? And also, like digital spaces can be really um, useful for setting culture. You know, Think Productive uses Slack, um, and just those little um, uh, little you know celebratory emojis and smiley faces and hearts and stuff like can actually really add a very rich. Layer of sort of human interaction to culture, even when people are not even seeing each other face to face. I'm
1: going to see. Let's. I'm going to go to uh, questions and answers box zero and have <laughs> the last question to answer here. Uh, we. It's from Laura, and she asks, "How can you build up or boost your attention span? I feel like mine declined a great deal over lockdown because I've been split screening too much." So maybe some quick tips on that before we go
0: yeah so there's there's two things about that one is um the the natural energy that you have in the brain so we talked before about food exercise fresh air sleep um trying not to have alcohol the night before that sort of stuff um you'll just generally have more energy i'm a big fan i love a evening beer so i'm a big fan of um the brew dog uh, nanny state beer and stuff like that, so i can have my my beer ritual but it's like 0 percent um so i still sleep because you basically you sleep much worse if you if you have alcohol um that said you know there are days <laughs> there are days where the beer is okay but um yeah so so one is about just the general energy that you um allow your brain to uh be creating by via food and exercise and everything else on the other side of it it's then what do you put that attention to and what do you screen out of that and so i think Things like phone blocker apps, um, the idea of monotasking rather than multitasking. So, taking all the bits of paper that relate to something else off your desk, closing all the windows that you're not working on. Um, you know, really, a lot of you, if you're feeling like you can't focus, um, look at how many fifty things you have surrounding you that are not related to the thing you're working on. Um, get rid of forty nine of them, uh, you might find that you can focus a lot more. Right. So often this is um, environmental and and it's about the psyche of how we approach attention management rather than necessarily about, oh, my brain just isn't working. Like usually there's this stuff that you can do that will really help.
1: Hmm. On top of that, for me, uh, I found really, really useful just being very, uh, just time boxing. I know there's the Pomodoro technique, but I've, one of the things that always gets me with my attention is like, I've got to do this thing and do that thing. And if I spend too much thing on, time on this thing, I won't get those other things done. So if I could say, all right, I'm going to do just this for 25 minutes yeah. and I know that's all I'm going to do. And I will have time for other stuff. Inevitably what happens at the end of 25 minutes, I want to do some more and some more. And I'll fo- I, I get into that zone, but it's that initial bit of, again, lot, not enough intention or there's too many other things I'm thinking about that stops me narrowing down the focus. Mm. So I found that really useful. All about momentum, right? Like if you yeah.
0: if you just create momentum, then momentum feeds itself. Like I think, yeah. uh, in terms of like momentum and motivation, I f- I feel like with uh, certainly with my work, I'm either on a spiral up or I'm on a spiral down. Like there's no standing still. <laughs> um, so if you can push that momentum and just you know all those things like tricking yourselves, but tricking yourself by saying I'm just going to do the first 20 minutes of this really horrible thing. Yeah, uh, that involves Excel spreadsheets or whatever. And It's like you open Excel and you start, and there's a, such a big setup cost um, in terms of the energy of the brain, in terms of just switching into a different thing. Mm. And then suddenly I'm in Excel, and it just suddenly feels way easier than it did 10 minutes ago. And it's like, yeah, give me all the receipts. I'll do all of it, you know? <laughs> so yeah, mo- momentum is a really important thing.
2: I'm fascinated. There's, there's loads of great stuff in the Deep Workbook about uh, like creating the environment for you to succeed, isn't there, about uh, getting the right environment I think they even talked about uh, JK Rowling booking the Glen Eagle suite to finish her book because she mm-hmm. needed somewhere away from a traditional environment. So, yeah, we're all bad at managing our own yeah. time and willpower, I think.
0: And it's the idea that if you've paid for the Glen Eagle suite, then you better make it, make, exactly. <laughs> make it worth your while, all right? Like, yeah. Cost you that much money. Exactly. There's a thing I saw years ago, which was uh, uh, you set yourself a task and then you have to report back whether you completed it or not. And if you didn't complete it, you've already given your credit card details and it donates money to a I remember that, yeah. That you really hate. So it's like I didn't oh. do this thing, and now the consequence is Donald Trump's election campaign has received a new donation.
2: Well, actually, I saw one guy years ago who I think he scheduled a tweet to go out every morning at a certain time. So if he didn't get up in time to to remove it, <laughs> it <was a> <laughs> he's a lazy science. So. That's brilliant.
1: <laughs> oh, there you go. Um Everything you need to have focus and productivity. Um, so we come to an end. Um, thank you very much, Graham, Cheers, for uh, sharing welcome. your time and your knowledge. And, and it's always good to chat. Um, before we leave, uh, a quick um, shameless proportion bit of the bit of the show. Uh, if people want to find out more about your staff, or if you have anything that you'd like to direct people to, um, yeah, please tell us, Graham.
0: Yeah, so my company is called Think Productive. Um, so we do workshops for uh, yeah, some of the, the and most in, leading and most interesting companies in the world on productivity, getting inboxes to zero, all that sort of stuff. We do have a set of resources, particularly around working from home. Um, so if you just go to thinkproductive.com forward slash WFH for working from home, um, just loads of free resources you can download. Um, there's also, I think, the recording of one of our first webinars on working from home specifically. So. Um, thinkproductive.com forward slash WFH. Um, I also do a podcast called Beyond Busy. Um, so go and subscribe to that. There's, um, You can actually Google the previous episode with Lawrence and Carlos. We as well. were there. <laughs> um, and I've also just recently started um, a weekly mailing list. Um, so if you just go to um I've launched this thing called Rev Up for the Week. Uh, the idea is just every Sunday night, um, some positive and interesting thoughts into your uh, inbox for the week ahead. Um, so yeah, it, there's there's a form on the homepage of the website at greymallcott.com if you want to sign up for that.
1: Awesome, thank you very much. Um, for those of you who who'd love to connect with each other and get that energy and sense of uh, not feeling alone, um, we next week we have our regular monthly ideas cafe. We used to do these live uh, in in Brighton, but now uh, due to what's happening, we are doing them online. And so there's a a zoom call that we uh, we host and it's a great to place to meet network connect with people just f- feel learn from about new things but ultimately be able to share your knowledge and, and share a space with other people and all from the comfort of your laptop um it starts at 8 45 a.m uk time and we usually finish around about 10 30 uh if you have a question or a challenge it's also a great place to get some really powerful free advice so i hope to see you there that's next thursday at 8 45 and the other thing i wanted to share is that we are we just finished our 2020 vision program um leanne who's on the call was part of that it was an amazing experience particularly given the the challenges we had with the pandemic but if you're a a solopreneur or a, a, a solo founder who wants to magnify the impact of their work uh, and wants to have the support of other people on that journey. Uh, we're going to offer a space for you to do that journey in over six months uh, with myself, Lawrence, and our good friend, Lana. And we're going to use our experience of hosting spaces and also using technology to, to build community and to also help uh, essentially get more clarity about the work that you want to do. Very much about what was talking about today this what is that clear intention for what you want to do so um if you if that's of interest we'll put a quick link into the chat as well is there anything else Lawrence, that you'd like to share
2: um uh, just to say we didn't pay li- uh, leanne to place that <laughs> <laughs> i mean <laughs> that's
0: a pretty good uh, no, it's been
2: amazing it's been um yeah i i wouldn't say i have my doubts about doing a solely online program because we launched it before covid but yeah it's been amazing 20 amazing people from all around the world yeah it's been incredible so yeah looking forward to doing it again later in the year and we wouldn't be able to do it if it was if summer camp wasn't cancelled so in some ways yeah every cloud has a silver lining
1: exactly space oh was it parkinson's law yeah <laughs> <laughs> brilliant thank you very much everyone uh, cheers, cheers much graham again. thanks a yeah um, you take care have a great rest of the day and have a lovely spacious and productive weekend and the sea
2: mist is still there if anyone's interested <laughs> take care
1: (laughs) bye-bye thank you for listening to the happy entrepreneur podcast if you like what you heard please subscribe to us on itunes spotify and soundcloud also if you'd like to learn more about being a happy entrepreneur and want to connect with more people like you then go to our website thehappystartupschool.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Amongst many other things about business and life, we'll help you answer the following questions. How can I serve others by being myself? And how can I discover who I really am by serving others?